Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's with a great deal of satisfaction today that I can announce that Cabinet has approved the purchase of four Boeing P-8A Poseidon Maritime Patrol aircraft from the United States Government. Four P-8s will replace the six aging P-3 Orion Maritime Patrol aircraft we currently have and that have been operated by the Royal New Zealand Air Force since the 1960s. The P-3 is a, was a critical element and the P-8 will be a critical element of New Zealand's uh, presence in the Pacific. An early Christmas present for our Air Force today. The arrival of the first of four new jets set to take over surveillance and transport duties in the Pacific region. The P-8 Poseidon touching down in Ohakia as part of a $2 billion investment in our defence capability. After 10 years of flying the P-3, it's a lot smoother on the new aircraft. These new planes will be a lot more comfortable for crew. In the P3, they use earplugs to block out the noise and a bucket for the toilet. After 56 years of service, our six Orion P3 maritime patrol aircraft have been retired. I'm Alexia Russell, and today on The Detail, our biggest defence purchase since the Anzac frigates three decades ago. What are the new $2.5 billion Poseidons like, and what exactly will they be doing? And also, why would you name an aeroplane after the Greek god of the sea? Uh, well, I think you'd have to go back to the, to the US who, who named it, but um, as far as I know, Poseidon um, presides over the maritime domain, so I think he was the, the god that looked after seafarers and, and ships. This is Wing Commander Mark Whiteside, who's in charge of the Poseidon Transition Unit at the Ohakia Air Base in Manawatu. The first of the four Poseidons is sitting in its purpose-built $250 million hangar there, a move from Whanuapai in Auckland. And that was a, a deliberate choice when, when the P-8s were acquired, uh, and that's mostly around the runway length um, consideration. So Whanuapai in Auckland, where Number 5 Squadron is currently located, is a slightly shorter runway than, than what we have um, here at Ahakia. So the P-8 is a little bit bigger than the P-3. It's, it's a lot heavier, and that just means it needs a longer runway to be able to get airborne to conduct uh, the same kind of task that we expect out of the P-3s. So that's the prime reason behind shifting um, what is Number 5 Squadron down into um, Ohakia. Uh, there's, there's a few other considerations as well. Um, Ahakia is um, a lot more rurally based. It's not um, it's not surrounded by housing as we have up in Fenuapai, so there's plenty of room for us to load armaments and, uh, onto the aircraft and keep our safety zones well intact. You've had to build new hangars, haven't you, for the new aircraft? That's right. Part of the project is to um, basically uh, build some infrastructure. This is a significant build. It will be 180 metres long, 80 metres wide and 26 metres high. This will house two hangars, mission support and operations centre, it will have maintenance facilities, a sophisticated training wing including a full flight simulator and it will be the new home for the squadron when they move down from Auckland. And also um, some of uh, what we call the airside works, so um, you know, increasing um, the strength of uh, some of the taxiways just uh, in, in the apron that the aircraft operates from because it is a very um, heavy aircraft in comparison to 
some of the other fleets that we operate in the Air Force. So yes, there is uh, there is quite a quite a big infrastructure project that comes along um, with the move to Ahakia. I think it's a $250 million um, infrastructure project that's um, certainly put a lot of life into the into the um, the region here from a um, construction perspective. Certainly employed a lot of um, um, local companies as well. And will the personnel of Number Five relocate? Are they all moving down? Uh, it's it's not quite that simple. Um, so the unit operating the P8s right now, we're called the Poseidon Transition Unit. And uh, once the P3s are, are retired, basically the name of Number 5 Squadron will certainly come down um, and, and we'll uh, assume the name of Number 5 Squadron. Now to do that, we've um, we've taken some of the 5 Squadron people, quite quite a lot of them obviously, um, and trained them on the P8 and, and they're now down here uh, operating. But we've also drawn people from other parts of, of the Air Force to put them together here in, in Ahakia to, to become 5 Squadron Ahakia uh, operating the P8. And have you sent them to the US to train? Yes, we have. So we have ground support, both maintenance and mission support folk have been trained, and the air crew as well have undertaken training. Uh, some of them have um, done short courses, and a small number have actually been embedded for uh, actually up to two or three years on, on exchange with both the United States and Australia, who also operates the P-8s. That way we have... Uh, a pool of people who are not only just immediately trained on the aircraft, but uh, some of our personnel have been trained and actually have experience on, on the aircraft so that um, right now, now that they've returned home to Ahaki, we can, we can hit the ground running as much as possible. The Poseidons fly about 25% faster than the Orions with a cruise speed of 440 knots. It's about 800 kilometres an hour. And they can be up in the air for eight to nine hours, which is actually not quite as long as the old planes. They can, however, be refuelled mid-air. And while New Zealand doesn't have any refuelling tankers, that feature could be utilised on joint international exercises because our allies also fly Poseidons. The new planes are more comfortable for the crew and less susceptible to turbulence. The aircraft itself is, is able to conduct surveillance and, and reconnaissance of um, basically maritime areas, uh, whether it be above the ocean, on the ocean, under the ocean, and also um, coastal uh, islands. Um, so from a New Zealand perspective, that means um, we have a maritime patrol aircraft that will be able to conduct surveillance, uh, either whether it be New Zealand's territorial seas or if we step out further to our exclusive, exclusive economic zone, which is 200 miles from shore, or even further to the Southern Ocean and the Ross Dependency or the South Pacific uh, environment. So we can conduct surveillance um, in any of those areas, and that surveillance can be for a whole host of reasons. Um, you know, it could be something like a search and rescue for vessels missing at sea, can be um, what we call humanitarian aid or disaster relief, so um, post a significant weather event, uh, we can conduct that surveillance, like we said, of um, coastal um, areas of interest to see where the damage may be and what the response in an emergency situation um, may be required. So, um, yeah, just to, to take it back, it is a direct replacement for the P3 Orions, which have been performing these roles um, very well for, for decades now, um, and that's, that's the purpose of the P8 Poseidon. And you said under the sea, under the ocean, has it got submarine spotting capability? Yeah, so it has an acoustic sensor, just like the um, P3s did. 
So it can detect submarines and uh, monitor the, the underwater environment um, full stop. So, you know, whether that be, you know, our submarine cables or, or underwater vessels like submarines, yes, that's what the acoustic uh, system can do for us. And you said they're direct replacement for the Orions, but there were six Orions and there four Poseidons, correct? Is that, is that a downgrade in capability? Uh, no, it's, it's, not, it's not a downgrade, but you are correct. So we've gone from uh, a fleet of six P3K2 Orions uh, down to four P8 Poseidons. And uh, I think the way uh, to describe this is that we had six P3 Orions, but we didn't have any simulators. So the crews up in Auckland, a number five squadron operating the Orions, would have to travel overseas to conduct simulator training, or they would have to take the aircraft up and conduct training in the aircraft itself. Now, with the, the P-8, we're procuring four P-8 Poseidons, but we're also getting full simulators, including a flight deck simulator for the pilots, but also a back-end, what we call a back-end mission simulator, so that the air crew down the back of the aircraft operating all of the sensors can also um, do that in the simulated environment. Um, and the combination of that simulator means that we do much less training uh, airborne when we compare ourselves to, to the Orion. So the four... P8s that we get are actually available for tasking in, in support of um, other government agencies. It's actually an, an increase on, on what you get with um, six P3s when you consider how much training we had to do to maintain that um, with the P3 arrives. I thought you were going to tell me that two were always parked in the garage being fixed. Well, that's, uh, that absolutely uh, comes into any um, reasoning when you, look to, when you look at aircraft fleets. And, and naturally the P8 itself won't have all four on the line uh, every single day of the year. Um, you, you know, there is still maintenance that has to occur. But in comparison to the P3s who are now 56 years old, the amount of time, um, both cost and resources, uh, that goes into, into getting it available is just um, yeah, it's getting worse and worse every year, hence the need for the replacement. But the Poseidons have big wings to fill. Over the years, the Orions have been lifesavers across New Zealand's massive ocean area of responsibility. New Zealand's search and rescue region literally goes from the South Pole to the equator, halfway to Australia and halfway to Chile. Yesterday, an RNZAF Orion spotted eight survivors drifting in a dinghy and they were rescued by a fishing boat. We sent the P3 up uh, to help and assist Tonga in its assessment. Well, the search is kicking off pretty much at first light today. We've got, um, obviously, the Royal New Zealand Air Force's P3 Orion is still on the scene. We're extremely grateful. The, the crew of the P3 that spotted uh, David in Sydney, true heroes. And I think they've been astonishing in terms of the way that we've been able to extract every last drop of, of capability out of them. Uh, some hugely talented people have flown in them over the years, um, whether it's submarine hunting or this, you know, finding the, the life raft in a vast area of ocean. It's a hugely challenging and demanding practice and one they've carried out with real aplomb. This is David Cappy, the director of the Centre for Strategic Studies at Victoria University. I have no reason to think that um, that we won't get to the same sort of place with the P8s. Obviously, we've got NZDF crews that have been training on, on the P8s now for, I think, two years. And obviously what they're able to do and the different kinds of activities will be phased in over the next few years. But, I, you know, I've got a great deal of admiration for the, for the people who make these things possible. So I, I don't think there'll be any difference. Did we need to spend this money on four brand new planes or could we have gone with the Orions for a while longer? 
I mean, I think the starting point for that in some ways is just look at a map. And when you see where New Zealand is and the uh, in this vast maritime domain that surrounds us, clearly we need some kind of uh, some kind of ability to know what's going on out there, some some kind of ability to patrol it. What we've been using was the Orions, which are, you know, remarkable aircraft. But the oldest of those airframes dates back to the 1960s. And uh, they've had multiple upgrades over the years with new wings and new bits of this and that that have been added. And I think realistically, they just reached the end of their of their life, that there was very little you could really do to just to, to upgrade them from from here. So so the P8s, are, they're certainly a, they're an expensive capability, um, but they're really a, a pretty remarkable investment. And, and looking forward, um, it's expensive, but it's uh, it's it, there's a sort of an investment in, in decades into the future. The government has never had to call on the Air Force to arm its planes ready for combat, but the Chief of Defence, Air Vice Marshal Kevin Short, says that doesn't mean they never shoot missiles. We do weapon uh, practice, both dropping uh, bombs and torpedoes on a regular basis with the P3. It's just probably not seen by the public, but we do that to keep our military capability uh, going. They're incredibly expensive because they've got that war-making capability that we feel New Zealand really needs to kind of lead the way in moving away from, um, and which is something that really belongs to another century. The Greens initially had reservations about this spending, even though they were part of the government that approved it, because of the ability to weaponise these planes. What, how important is that, or how worrying is that? Well, I don't think it's worrying. I think that they're, I mean, they're an advanced weapon. They are a weapon. They're an aircraft that's designed for a whole range of tasks, maritime patrol um, aircraft that's designed for a range of tasks. And those tasks range from, at one end of the spectrum, search and rescue and responding to humanitarian assistance and disasters in, in the Pacific and um, fisheries patrol. But they're also a high-end platform for anti-submarine warfare and for, um, for essentially for being able to detect what's on, on the surface and what's below the surface. So to pretend that these uh, aircraft are only really about search and rescue or humanitarian assistance or environmental monitoring really misses the point. These are aircraft that have the ability to work with partners uh, and work in a range of environments, including much more dangerous and non-permissible environments and to be able to carry on and advance New Zealand's interests in regional and international security. But New Zealanders do like to think of their defence forces like that, don't they? They're the heroes of the sky and they just go around spotting drug runners and lost fishermen and um, giving people gear after cyclones. Do we need to get out of that way of thinking? I think we do. I mean, I think one of the surely one of the lessons uh, that's uh, come home in spades over the last couple of years is that we're living in a much more challenging and dangerous world. We've seen in the war in Ukraine, we've seen in our region, much more willingness to resort to the use of coercion and force and a sort of a world of might makes right. We're seeing the fact that multilateral institutions, which New Zealand has been a strong supporter of and put a lot of emphasis on in its foreign and security policy traditionally, are really struggling to deal with the range of challenges um, that are that are, are presenting themselves at the at, at the moment, um, and that's not to we shouldn't be panicky or hysterical about the challenges that are out there. But I think we do need to um, to recognise that the world is a, a more challenging place, and New Zealand's national interests and security interests are being challenged, and we need to think about how we best want to respond. One of the criticisms was that this that this is really a you know gold plated 
uh, aircraft that's really about anti-submarine warfare and it's really about buying into or tying yourself into, you know, your big allies' uh, concerns about security and not about an independent foreign policy. But I really think, you know, an independent foreign policy in many ways is about giving a New Zealand government choices. And the P8... You know, it can do that huge range of, of tasks from from the, the sort of softer end, from the search and rescue, from the transnational crime fisheries uh, and so on. But it can also provide New Zealand governments with with options and choices in the event of a, a much more dangerous and, and challenging scenario in our region, one that we don't want to ever see. But as I said, we're living in a more dangerous region and a more dangerous world. So thinking about these issues and addressing them square on, I think, is is sort of incumbent on all of us. The government has not made this decision lightly. We took the uh, business case back to first principles and questioned and analysed all of the options thoroughly ourselves. We did not rubber stamp the former government's homework. Uh, maintain and maritime patrol capability is essential for New Zealand's national security and for our ability to contribute to global security efforts. It's difficult to show your ordinary New Zealander just what the the sort of instant returns are compared to more money on hip replacements or schools or, or housing. But when you think about them as decades-long investments, and also you think about how the way that New Zealand's interests in the world and our economy sit on this set of rules and, and practices that we've, um, we've been really lucky with, I think, in some ways over the last 30 or 40 years, and that, that are increasingly, we're in a world where some of those things that we could, those assumptions are being turned upside down. Uh, it's really important to make those um, those investments and those decisions, but but um, you know politically not necessarily very appealing. It is the best deal. Let me just put it to you that way. And I wouldn't be assuming that it was the dearest option on an aircraft by aircraft basis. That's all I'll say to you. I think anybody who's been following the news over the over the last few years will be will will understand that the Pacific certainly has become a more crowded and more complex place. There's a whole range of uh, of actors that are uh, increasingly um, present, uh, including including the People's Republic of China, which is uh, more influential, more present, uh, and uh, as we've learned over the last year or so, is also increasing increasing to step up uh, its security um, presence uh, in the region. There's also a growing um, presence of other actors, including um, transnational crime syndicates looking to move drugs, for example, from Latin America to what are fairly lucrative markets in Australia and New Zealand through the Pacific. And then to the south of New Zealand, we've obviously had a, a problem with illegal unreported fishing for a number of years with many different countries and different flag vessels involved. Uh, and so, so you're right, our maritime domain is a much more complex and much more challenging place that it's been. And that's without looking out further to sort of the maritime periphery around uh, maritime East Asia, where we're obviously seeing uh, much more intense competition playing out between great powers. So do we spend enough on defence? I mean, I think the clear lesson is you can look and see that successive governments of left or right have decided that defence isn't a priority for their spending. I think there's debates about how much New Zealand actually does spend. Uh, there's a, a bit of a variation in some of the numbers that are, that are floating around, partly depending on what you count. You know, one of the high numbers that floats around is about 1.5% of GDP. The other end of the spectrum, you know, I've seen public reports of, of less than 1%. I think the, the one thing we can say for sure is that compared to many of our closest partners and allies and comparable states around the world, we do spend less. Uh, and at the same time, we, if we look at how 
a huge range of states have responded to the war in Ukraine to a much more challenging security environment over the last uh, year or so, 18 months, that they've, um, they've actually decided that they do need to spend more on their defence. And now we have the P-8s. We're part of a club. This is an aircraft that's used by by Norway, by Germany, by South Korea, uh, as well as by the US, the UK, Australia, of course, uh, and India. So it's a diverse club. But I mean, it is a, I think it's a club in the sense that it's become, you know, a hugely successful maritime patrol aircraft. It's a mature technology. It means it's got a, a real future ahead of it. And there's a, in terms of buying the P8s, what you're also doing is buying into not just a plane and a set of systems inside it, but you're also buying into a series of ongoing upgrades and improvements, what are, what are sometimes called the spiral upgrade program, which come along every two or three years, which are uh, available to the people who are part of that um community of P8 users, uh, if you like, or most of them, which enhance and upgrade its capabilities and mean that you don't end up with a situation where we ended up with the P3, where to really just really just run out, run, come to the end of its, uh, of its natural life. A club of one, as we were. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Do you have a fondness for the Orion? Oh, we all do. Um, we, we all do, and it's hard to explain, but you spend enough time in, in that aircraft mm. taking it into, um, you know, a lot of interesting situations and search and rescues, and, um, you know, it's kept, kept us all safe for, for so many years and provided such great service to our country that it is kind of sad, very, very sad. Um, you know, it's a double-edged sword. It's, it's sad on, on the one side, but... Uh, then again, um, we're also quite happy that, as a country, we recognise the, you know, the, the big need for a maritime patrol aircraft, and um, and, and the future has been secured with the with the P8 Poseidon, and and we know that the P8 will pick up exactly where the where the P3 has has left things. So you've been on board the Poseidon and had a good poke around. Yes. Yep. It's. Um, uh, it's it's great. It's got that new car smell to it. <laughs> I, can, I can assure you. Um, <laughs> And it's nice and shiny. Uh, it's pretty, you know, it's not something we're uh, we're um, we're used to from um, Number Five Squadron, where we've been operating the Ryans for for a very long period of time. But no, it's um, it's great to have it here, and we're taking great care of it, and um, we've certainly had it up and up and flying already. As for the Orions, one will go to the Wigram Air Force Museum in Christchurch. The other five will be scrapped or potentially sold as long as the US State Department approves of who that military technology is going to. That's it for today. I'm Alexia Russell. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. Today's episode was engineered by William Saunders and produced by Sarah Robson and Bonnie Harrison. Thanks to Wing Commander Mark Whiteside and Victoria University's David Cappy. Ka kite anō.